Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 234 of How I Built It, the podcast that offers actionable tech tips for small business owners. Today's sponsors are Text Expander and Nexus. You'll hear about them later in the show. But before we get started, I do want to tell you about my free weekly newsletter called Build Something Weekly. In it, you'll get a rundown of every episode, all of the content I wrote over the last week, insights and recommendations, all for free. You can sign up over at buildsomething.email. That's buildsomething.email. Okay, now let me tell you about this week's guest. Jason Howe knows a thing or two about ads. And the first piece of advice he gives us, don't start with ads. Jason gives us a couple of important aspects of running ads and for you to think about before you actually run them like how to get your offer to a place that will compel people to actually click on them. I think this is so important because I think people just say, I'll advertise on Facebook and Instagram, I'll drive a ton of traffic, and voila, I'll make money. But if your messaging and your offer don't align with the promise of the ad and you're not delivering, then the ads are just a giant waste of money. So this was a fantastic conversation with... Jason. Uh, If you are listening to Build Something More or you're interested in getting ad-free extended episodes for just five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year, uh, in Build Something More, we'll be talking about some lesser-known ad platforms like TikTok. TikTok has been coming up on this show a lot lately and Jason makes yet another argument for it. So you can sign up for the Build Something Club, again, just five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year along with all of the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 234. Okay, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that offers actionable tech tips for small business owners. It's episode 334, and today my guest is Jason Howe. He is the owner of Agency J. Now, they help People right in my wheelhouse, as it turns out, uh, educators, uh, course creators, education business owners, and coaches uh, grow their businesses to six-figure months, which sounds very exciting to me, so I'm very excited to talk to him. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me here, Joe. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you because uh, in the topic that we're focusing on here is how to dominate your market by out-innovating the competition with ads and funnels. Uh, ads, Paid ads are something I've only experimented with a little bit by myself, like through Facebook, so I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and then more recently, I've tried doing um, some of the in-podcast app ads where they just kind of show your podcast to entice people to subscribe. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this. I don't know a lot about ads. My funnels definitely need work. Um, but before we, we get to that, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So my name is Jason and it's going to hear from my ex and I'm not from the States. I'm actually living here in Singapore. Uh, I've been doing this for my ninth year um, and I basically run a remote team, um, you know, helping people grow their business. So my whole entire team is all full-time uh, and my team basically, you know, they like 
a large majority of them live over here in the Asia Pacific time zone. So Australia, uh, Malaysia, Singapore, and Philippines. And we also have two uh, members, one in um, Canada and one in United States. And the ones in Australia and um, Northern America are, you know, our copywriters, people who need to write in order to appeal to those markets. So, but our clients, I would say 80% of them are in the States. Um, the remaining of them are basically like, <laughs> like Northern Americans who have moved overseas. Mm. So kind of like we have a Canadian client who's living in um, Israel because she, you know, married um, in Israeli and then she's living there. We have European clients, we have Australian clients, New Zealand clients and all that. Yeah. Wow, that's that's fantastic. So uh, living in the, the, or being primarily in the Asia Pacific time zone, um, what what's it like having uh, most of your clients in the United States? I know there's a pretty significant time difference there. Yeah, it is pretty significant, but I think it's worked out really nicely. Um, the first thing is that we, our day or our week starts earlier, and that gives us a head start. Yeah. And usually Fridays, we end off earlier, but like nothing much usually happens on Fridays. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't become an issue. So it ends, I think it becomes a situation where we have kind of like half a day or a day more than our clients. And that really allows us to respond and, you know, react and, you know, just work on anything ahead of time. So our clients are usually the ones that are um, kind of like being chased by us instead of the clients chasing us. We are often the ones chasing our clients to let them know, hey, we got this done. Do you have this ready? Can we go? Can we go? You know, so we are on top of all of these things all the time. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. I actually, you know, it's not as significant a difference, but uh, I, I feel that edge uh, when I work with somebody on the West Coast of the US because I'm on the East Coast of the US. So I have yeah. about three hours different. And then I start my day earlier than most people. My kids wake up early. So I start my day at like 730. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely feel that. And then um, as far as the the kind of services you offer, um, you know, I know that, uh, well, I guess it's a, it's a grab bag now, but for a while, I know people preferred to have kind of in-person meetings or not in-person, but face-to-face yeah. synchronous meetings. Has that been um, has that been something you've been able to manage or, or do you manage ex- uh, those expectations right up front? Yeah, uh, I think, I mean, I'm the one who do all of the sales calls. Mm-hmm. So um, naturally they would have to jump on the Zoom or Skype in order to have a conversation with me. I think apart from two particular scenarios where I've had to wake up in a wee hours, you know, to, to speak with them. Um, but apart from that, I think a lot of the clients we work with, especially in the coaching course creation space, a lot of people are used to the whole online communication tools kind of like uh, environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the only two I came across both were from the traditional education space. One was actually a president of a college and another was, um, you know, a head of school of a private school. And both of them didn't have prior experience of, you know, working with anyone out of state, let alone wow. out of country. So that was huge for them but I think you know we managed to gain their trust um, you know through the professionalism of our work and of course our you know references and things like that but I think over time we have just gotten used to it they were like you know you guys are handling everything because honestly I don't think any company wants to be talking to their vendors all the time They, they would rather like have these people take things off my plate without me telling them what to do and that's what we we try to do most of the time 
Um, our clients usually contact us only if they have a very specific idea of promotion they want to run. But beyond that, mean uh, we are basically like a like a like a bank. <laughs> we basically generate net cash for them every month. Um, you know, they, they don't really need to tell us what to do. We basically send things for them to to review on a weekly basis or even you know every two to three days. So basically, you know, that's pretty much. It, I think a lot of it comes down to having a really streamlined operations and, you know, handling the expectations up front. Yeah, I, I, I think that's great. And, you know, as long as you're you're showing results, right? I mean, you're, I, you're right. I don't think people want to be talking to their vendors all the time. Uh, I yeah. had a full-time job in higher ed for a while, and I know how much they love meetings <laughs> uh, to the point where I was always the annoying guy that was like, do we need to have this meeting? Or I would like protest and <laughs> you got to go. And I'm like, all right, well, when my, when the project I'm working on is not delivered on time, I'm going to tell you it's because I had to go to these meetings today. So, um, exactly. you know, the changing that corporate culture can be tough. But again, if you, if you have the, the results to back it up, I think it's uh, an easier sell. Um, I so I, mean, I think, yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. I was just going to say that I, I think it's been Corporate, so as you know, we we help um, a lot of our clients usually who are already doing about half a million to get into that million dollar mark, maybe up to three, four million. Uh, we do have several clients, you know, in that 10, 20 million dollar mark. But I would say majority of the people we help where we see the most impact and growth is really when they're at the half a million mark, they're kind of stuck, they're kind of still working 16 hours uh, or even you know, 12 to 16 hours a day. And then they're like, ah, oh, I have enough of this. You know, I need to get to a stage where I don't need to be pushing so hard anymore. So that's where we find that our wheelhouse really is. But I think I can completely understand where you're coming from. If we are working with corporate, Man, I think that's that's gonna be tough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so what before we get into the the actionable advice stuff, um, uh, what what exactly are the services that you offer? It sounds like uh, copywriting, running ads, maybe. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I like to think of ourselves more like a vertically integrated marketing agency. I think a lot of Facebook ads agencies, um, where where they are is they simply run ads. Maybe they do a little bit of copy, um, creatives, and then they charge a percentage of ad spend. We see ourselves more as an outsourced marketing department for a lot of these, um, you know, half a million, a million dollar kind of a company, and we basically professionalize the entire marketing, um, you know, uh, capability in the, in the company. So uh, offering start from ads. So for ads, we cover everything from copy writing, graphic design, video editing. We don't do the actual video shoot, but, you know, we occasionally write video scripts for them. But it will be best if they can, you know, record the video and then we'll, we'll just play around with it because we've got a professional video editor who will just take care of, of those things. Um, then that's for the ad side of things. But that's basically traffic, right? We're sending traffic to, 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 to somewhere where we want them to convert. And we want them to buy our products. We want them to sign up for our offers and things like that. So we actually take care of um, the entire funnel, copywriting, design, and things like that as well. What we don't do, however, is we don't create offers from scratch. Instead, we, we take existing products that have some kind of a validation with our clients and we make them better or we make them different. But we don't take, you know, a kind of like something from scratch and say, you know, if someone were to come to us and say, 
I'm a coach. Help me sell my services. I like. I'm, I'm like. You know. You got to mm-hmm. figure it out on your own. Yeah. Get to really understand the market. Find a fit first before you know we come in and really help you amplify the whole thing. Uh, so that's really where we shine. Uh, so we help with the funnel design, copywriting as well. We also do email copywriting. Um, so um, it's vertically integrated in a sense that we take care of like not just the ads but also the funnel and the follow up emails. So the front end and back end, pretty much. I would say a lot of agencies where they are as well as they tend to focus a lot on just spreading themselves across multiple channels so they could have the breadth of like you know facebook instagram youtube google ads tiktok uh, snapchat a lot of other platforms pinterest you know and all that but we do only facebook instagram for the most part then we we, we dive deep um we do some google ads and youtube ads for some of our existing clients just an as um just more of a favor and and as an add-on but not not really as a core service that we offer you know kind of like new clients mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I think if you're okay with this in, in build something more, I'd like to talk to you about some of these other sure. ad platforms. Cause I, I mean, I know that TikTok has to monetize somehow, but it never yeah. occurred to me that, that TikTok could be like an ad platform as well. Uh, maybe cause I'm not on it. So I don't see anything, but um, yeah, yeah, I would love to talk to you about maybe these lesser known platforms if you're okay with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. And if you are not a member, uh, you can sign up over at buildsomething.club for $5 a month and hear our conversation and all the other uh, member conversations. Um, so this this sounds really interesting. I, I like what I, because I like your focus, right? I think uh, a lot of people that I talk to, so a lot of people I talk to on this show always talk about niche, 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 or niche, 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 whatever. Um, but a yeah. lot of freelancers I talk to are like, I can't, um, they have, they're, they're afraid to niche down because they don't want to turn work away. But you, you are a well-oiled machine that handles the things you just talked about. Uh, I've talked to people who specialize in market validation, right? Where they reach out to customers to get feedback, to hone the offering, to talk about the problem, that's a whole that's a whole other job that that yeah. you're not prepared to do. Exactly. Um, so I think in terms of talking about niche, a lot of people see it as you know niching into specific industries. Um, but how I see it is kind of two-dimensional. Um, you have to niche into industries, but you also have to niche into a problem that you're solving. Of course, the problem has to be big enough for you to build a business on. But you know, ultimately, you need to niche into a problem because otherwise, I, I, I once experienced this in my younger days where I was basically doing so many things. Um, I was working with clients from all kinds of industries, solving all kinds of problems related to marketing, lead generation and sales and all that. But like, you know, those are huge problems to solve. Too big for a person to build a kind of like a standardized process for it. So I found myself every week building new processes and systems and strategies for these new clients. And if it became just untenable, it became unsustainable for myself. So um, I think it's really important to niche into a problem that you can kind of standardize your fulfillment in order for your team to kind of learn. Because the thing is, you're going to pr- probably be one of the smartest people in your business until you get to a certain size when you can hire even smarter people than you. So um, what's going to happen is when you first bring on the first couple of team members, they're not going to be able to kind of like work on 10 different industries like you do, you know? So niching down really helps not just you, but helps them out a lot, helps with the morale over time. Because uh, I think a big part is not just about finding clients, it's about fulfilling, keeping them, retaining them, and making sure that your team is happy and being able to pay and, and grow your team as well. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And and you know, again, I've said this. I was in the web development space exclusively for a long time, and I would tell people, look, pick pick an industry, like you said, uh, pick an industry because you'll have domain knowledge there. But also, pick a set of tools that you know really well. Right? I, we do a lot of WordPress work. Don't change awesome. every like. Don't change the theme framework every project. How are you possibly going to get good at any of them? Um, and then. For for products and productized services, uh, or the the WordPress freelance developer, pick a problem you're solving. Right? Do you uh, help nonprofits increase their donations? Right? The number of do- the maybe the number of recurring yeah. donations. Um, do you help construction companies land bigger jobs by building beautiful portfolios or whatever? You know, it's pick that solve yeah. that problem because then you're talking directly to a specific client. Right? That that customer avatar that, that people talk about. You're exactly right. So we work really closely with our clients and one of them specifically serves a lot of clients in the real estate construction and all these home modeling kind of space. And we go to their clients' websites all the time and these are clients doing at least half a million to $10 million. And all your websites look really similar in terms of a structural point of view. So yeah, I'm pretty sure there is someone out there niching down who built all of their websites all together. So you're absolutely right. This episode is brought to you by Nexus. Look, I know what it's like to spend too much time managing your website instead of your business. In fact, the previous host for this very show made it harder for me to focus on creating content because I was always trying to fix some problem with my website, especially on new episode days. And that's why I switched to Nexus. With Nexus's managed WordPress hosting, I don't have any problems to fix because Nexus fixes them for me, usually before I even know about them. I don't need to worry about my site going down on new episode days or updates or backups. I don't even need to worry about plugin vulnerabilities. Nexus has me covered. That's why I can be so consistent. And now they have membership sites with WP Quick Start, a membership site especially if you're a creator or small business owner like me, can be a fantastic way to increase revenue. But there are too many moving parts for most people who just want to set something up and start making money. Membership sites with WP Quick Start does it all for you. That is great hosting. So check out Nexus today if you want a website and not a project. For a limited time, you can get 50% off your first six months. Just go to howibuilt.it slash nexus, N-E-X-C-E-S-S. That's howibuilt.it slash nexus for 50% off your first six months. Thanks so much for Nexus for being a sponsor of How I Built It. As a web developer, as somebody with a programming background, I was like, I don't want all of my websites to look the same. But you know what? Like client A and client B... Most of the time, unless they're in their in the design industry, they just want yeah. a website that works that gets people to fill out their contact form. Exactly, so. and if they are in, from different states, you know, what's the chances of them actually meeting and knowing one another? Yeah, it's yeah, not, right, right, yeah. Two construction, especially because I mean, construction companies, like in my experience, they haven't cared at all about what their website looks like as long as the form works <laughs> uh, and they can upload pictures. Um, so. So that's great. So this is, I'm really glad we talked about this because I assume that part of our conversation informs 
um, our main topic, how to dominate your market by out innovating the competition with ads and funnels. Um, you offer both of these services. Let's talk about the ads a little bit first, right? You said that that those are designed to get website traffic that people converting is where the magic happens. But how do we use ads to get people to our website? Right. I've tried ads and nobody has clicked on them. So what am I doing wrong? Right. You you obviously haven't seen any of my ads, so you don't have to talk specifically about me, but what are the common problems that you see? Yeah. I think the most fundamental one of all is something that really took many, many years to, to master. I would say even at this stage, I'm still working on it. Um, I would say that the biggest Part of it is that people misunderstand advertising and in fact, the fundamentals of advertising. And when you're trying to advertise online, there are three things that are the most important that you need to take care of. Um, I kind of call them the OMA. Um, it's the offer followed by the message followed by the ads. So these three things kind of like form the fundamental layer of it. So the offer is fundamentally what exactly are you giving in return for what you're charging? So this includes things like the deliverables, the features, um, the benefits. You're looking at things like the premiums, what are the bonuses, what are the you know, prices, payment terms. Payment terms are separate from pricing as well, and it's part of the offer. And we're looking at risk reversal items like guarantees. We're also looking at things like proof. We're also looking at things like um, reason to buy now or act now and scarcity and all that kind of stuff. So all these are just elements of the offer. And you have to test different elements, different packages and get customer feedback until you get straight yeses and you get people who actually pull out their wallet and say, take my money. This is what I want. And my, one of my mentors, uh, Todd Brown from the States, um, he has this framework called the SIN offer. The SIN offer, S-I-N, basically stands for superior offer, um, an irresistible offer and a no-brainer offer. So, of course, the words were kind of like rearranged in a way for them to make sense. But we'll start off with irresistible first. Um, the irresistible offer is essentially an offer where when you're presented with it, you're like, I want this. That, that is your reaction. And that's exactly going to come from the list of all the elements I mentioned earlier. So, if you you know kind of missed it, make sure you, if you just hit back on, on, on the podcast and just listen to it again. Uh, the second part of it is just making a no-brainer. And no, the, the part about an offer that makes it a no-brainer usually comes from the price element, the payment term element, or the guarantee element. So the point like, try this out for 30 days. And if it doesn't work out for you, I'll refund you for free. That way, this is a no-brainer offer, right? That makes it a no-brainer. Uh, now, the third one, is what we call superior. So superior, as you know, you know, comes from a bit of comparison. So it's essentially, it needs to be superior to what your customers have in terms of alternatives. So if someone is already kind of offering like a seven-day free trial, you got to be like one up, you know, you got to be like at least two up, in fact. Go for a 30-day free trial, go for a 60-day free trial, go for like a guided onboarding process so on and so forth. So a lot of things that you can actually play with, uh, but just make sure that it's superior, it's irresistible, and you know it is really a no-brainer offer. So for those of you who want to know a little bit more about the mentor I talked about, his name is T-O-D-D-B-R-O-W-N, Todd Brown. Uh, so like the gurus of the gurus in the marketing space is basically the one who taught everyone, but he's not the most famous one out there. So he's like really the person doing all, all the dirty work. So that's the offer layer. I will, the, the, I yeah, will real quick, I will link that. I found the page, I'll link it in the show notes. Um, awesome. And uh, I, I just want to reinforce here, right? This offer is the first thing you mentioned. It doesn't matter how yeah. much money you spend on ads if your offer is crappy, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. It, okay. it really doesn't matter. Yeah. So you could like, for example, I think just to go back to what you talked about, a big part of the offer is really the benefit as well, or like the niche as well, how you craft it. So if in your case, you talked about um, a web designer who helps nonprofits increase the donation amount. I thought that was really good. That was like, did that really encapsulated something really specific, something that's tangible, something you can relate to, something that to me, if I was running a nonprofit organization, that's exactly the outcome I want. You speak with, you, you, your offer speaks to me. You know, that's exactly, you know, the heart of it. And the second part of it is the message, right? And um, from a, you know, from a really strict point of view, the offer is actually part of the message, but a big part of the message is also about a hook. Exactly what are you saying or, or doing to get people's attention? Um, so Airbnb has, you know, a great list of hooks that you had, they had done in the past. Go look it up, you know, things like, um, um, what if travel was something more like, you know, um, kind of like living elsewhere, kind of like experiencing, um, how locals actually live, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's how they, uh, kind of differentiated themselves as compared to, let's say, um, the hotels. Then we also have, uh, the marketing lead, which is essentially the, the, the breach that goes from the hook into the actual, um, all the list of claims and things you're going to make in your message. So that, that is basically a big part of the message. So that we have the hook, you have the lead, and then you have, you know, the claims, the proof, the benefits, and, and so on and so forth. How, how your offer or how your kind of like, um, yeah, basically how your offer, how your product is is better, is different, is it makes things easier for them, is is less risky, is safer. Yeah, and basically all, all the all the kind of like things that you know just makes it different and better than and other products out there. Um, and the last one we talk about is, is essentially the ads, you know, and, and in the ads side of things, that's where um, as long as you align your ads in terms of the in terms of the copy creative, in terms of the offer and a message, if you just align all of them and the offer is the one that converts, it will carry your ad campaign. So your ads is nothing more than just an amplification tool to expose your offer to more people knowing that it already works. So the, of course, yeah, like trickery and things you can do to increase things like click-through rates and all that stuff. But ultimately, the offer needs to convert first. So once the offer converts, then go to ads. This, that is, I, I think, such great advice because I, uh, this should prevent people from jumping the gun, right? Because I think people are like, I want to grow my business quick. I'm going to do ads. But really, you should, you know, I've, for example, I've offered a done for you podcasting service for uh, about a year and a half now. Um, and I'm not telling a whole lot of people about it yet. Yeah, there's a landing page, but I'm not really amplifying that message outside of my core audience because, um, I want to test it and I want to make sure that I'm, I'm solving the right problems, uh, that my offer is good both for the client and for me, right? I don't want to undercharge and then open the floodgates. Um, and so it doesn't make any sense for me to do ads right now because I don't really know. I, I don't know the, the best positioning for the offer yet. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely right. So there are people who will insist of going with ads first, but they are not exactly wrong if if they, they fulfill two criteria. Number one, they have money. Um, and number two, they have the marketing knowledge to learn and fail quickly. So one of my mentors uh, also use and prefers using ads 
because that's going to be the most scalable, the least painful way to entrepreneurship. But he comes from a really strong marketing background and he spent years building up his cash reserves. So in fact, he ran, I think, an agency and training service for I think close to three years and they amassed about a million dollars in cash before they went into the whole e-commerce market. And uh-huh. today, just three years into e-commerce, they're doing about $60 million a year. So that kind of like, a lot of times we, we look at people like that, they have succeeded in three years and we are like, I can do it too. Yeah. But like, we are comparing with different fundamentals, you right. know, and we don't often see the tip. We only see the tip of the iceberg and we don't see the part that's submerged under the water. So we end up getting ourselves burnt because we have all these false expectations of what it is like. But, you know, if, if you don't have any advertising marketing experience, especially in the area of online advertising, please just go with the normal model, validate the offer, sell to people organically, join groups, join forums, do whatever you need to to sell it. And then, you know, once you validate it, once you build a sufficient kind of cash buffer and cash flow, then go into ads because you do need a fair bit of testing and, and knowledge and commitment to make it work. Yeah, you know, a common motif when this show first launched because we were experiencing the Summer Olympics then was the Olympic gold medalist. We would see them gold medal at their event, but we only saw them, you know, we didn't see the 20 years of sacrifice that they gave to, to practice their craft. Um, and so with the Olympics, as we record this coming up again, I'm, I'm reminded of that, right? You have the people on the couch who are like, I could do that, but you can't, you can't do that. Um, but I, 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 I like the point you made here too, right? If you have money and you can learn and fail quickly because it, it's not that the person's wasting money. They're using the money they have to accelerate their, their learning. They know what to look for. They know maybe to A-B test their offer, their landing page. And so they can run a couple of days worth of ads to get the traffic and say, all right, well, this this doesn't work. So let's try this. Okay, this one works. And now we've we've sped up our timeline uh, from you know maybe two years to two weeks or something like that. Exactly, exactly. And I would say like the people who really know these things and are testing, man, they're testing things like two, three thousand dollars a day. It's not yeah. a small amount right. to play with. Right, right. Yep. And and again, they know they know what to test, right? Um, you know, I've exactly. heard people like, Oh, you gotta test like the color of the 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 call to action button. I'm like, I don't if your headline's bad, I don't think the color is going to matter that much. <laughs> like, so. Yeah, I think a lot of time people mistake like, you know, uh, and, and tend to take these uh, crazy sounding tests out of context. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a sequence of, of making things work. Of course, like if everything's already optimized and like your color of the button just discourages people to click. Right. This of course going to create a huge jump in results when you eventually test it. Right. So yeah, I think, you know, looking at advice and, you know, even the advice that I'm giving or you're giving if you're listening to it right now, really take it with a pinch of salt and really try to understand the context that we're applying it in before you kind of apply it in your own kind of space as well. Yes, understand the the context and and the hierarchy, right? Because again, if if something's if your headline is perfect because you've tested it, then then maybe the next thing to test is is the button color or whatever, right? Like yeah, if you never, if, yeah. if you've <laughs> tested everything and that's the only thing left, then yeah, fine, test that. Yeah, um, yeah go for it. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So let's say we've got our offer. We have our message. Uh, the ads are bringing the people to the website. What what should what should our call to action look like? I guess that has a lot to do with the offer. What should our funnel look yeah. like? 
Yeah, I think with funnels, we tend to play around with it quite a lot um, because I think a lot of people are by this time really used to the conventional funnels. Like for example, in the info product or online education space, you often see webinars. They're used a lot. So, you know, people have played around with shorter videos of what we call video sales letters. Uh, people also played a lot with kind of like a long form sales letter, but people have also you know, played a lot by just compiling, you know, we used to have a, a four page sequence in the funnel. So you will go to a page, you'll get you to opt in, get you to watch a video on the second page, get you to schedule a call on the third page and then get, get you onto the thank you page. That's kind of like a standard four page, either a webinar or a video funnel. Uh, where we have seen innovation recently is really compressing that down to three, two, or even one page. So for example, we have the video right on top, huge claim followed by proof, followed by schedule a call. Kind of like everything is just done in one page. No more jumping around, no more opt-in. I don't need your email if you're not you know, interested in offer. Mm -hmm. So there is quite a lot of innovation. Uh, but I would say if you're just getting started, stick to the standard four-step process, uh, but really be open to testing and innovating your funnels. Um, and if you're you know, kind of like a web development agency, be open to helping your clients create variations as well. That's going to help a lot when, when you put in those offers as part of your, you know, yeah. but I guess features as, as part of your offer to working with clients. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. In our fast-paced world, things change constantly and errors in messaging often have significant consequences. With Text Expander, you can save time by converting any text you type into a keyboard shortcut called a snippet. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling, and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Text Expander lets you make new approved messaging available to every team member instantly with just a few keystrokes, ensuring your team remains consistent, current, and accurate. Text Expander can also be used in any platform, any app, and anywhere you type. So take back your time and increase your productivity. But that's not all it does. With its advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my clipboard and convert it into plain text. No more fighting formatting if I'm copying from Word or any place else. Last month, I saved over two hours in typing alone. That doesn't even take into the account the time I saved by not having to search for the right link, text, address, or number. You have no idea how many times I want to type out a link to a blog post or an affiliate link and I can't remember it and then I have to go searching for it. That generally takes minutes, but since I have a text expander snippet, it takes seconds. Text Expander is available on macOS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. I've been using it a lot more on my iPhone lately because I've been working from my iPhone more uh, because there are days when I'm just not in front of my computer right now. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now's the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. Thanks so much to Text Expander for sponsoring the show. And now let's get back to it. So standard four-step funnel. 
uh, is, can yeah. we run through that again? It's like the sure. click to opt-in. Opt-in page. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the opt-in page followed by the second page, which is the watch. Well, I, internally, we call it a watch page because you could either be watching a webinar or watching a video sales letter. So below that, there's usually a button for them to kind of schedule a call, just an invitation. Uh, and then on the third page is where you have a calendar, you have some proof of the work that you've done, a methodology behind it and things like that. And then you kind of like, once they've scheduled a call, you send them to kind of like a confirmation page. And usually the confirmation page is a, is a page where magic happens. You know, the, it's actually a page that we put a lot of attention on to get people to show up on a call. We get them prepared, we get them to do some homework, get them to get to know you more about you guys. So when you jump on a call, you're not like, I don't know about you guys. Uh, can I have three references? You know, never that. Like you don't want clients to be doing that. You want to show them overwhelming amounts of proof such that your credibility is like in, in yeah, yeah, man. This really speaks to me because I, again, with the done for you page, I um, yeah. I recently added like buy buttons, but I I didn't think anybody would just stumble upon them and use them, and somebody did recently, and I'm like, geez, I don't, awesome. I'm not prepared for this at all. Like, I mean, I have a Google form, but like I had to send it to them manually, and uh, yeah. so you know, this here is is extremely helpful to me. Um, the question I want to ask, right, is what is this like a, again, it, it should be context specific. Um, is this the same, is this going to be the same for like a $50 offer versus like a $5,000 offer, right? Like, can I just ask for the money yeah. on a $50 offer? Exactly. I think with a $50 offer, it's usually just a sales page like you would do on an e-commerce uh, um, company or like a, like, a, like a product page, you know. So you can have either an e-commerce product page send them there to buy or you have a proper sales page that's written just to sell and position the product correctly. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. for a $50, in fact, anything below $1,000, you can probably just sell it off. Uh, kind of like, okay, probably have to just reword that because I know in a certain niche, they usually sell a lot of these mid-ticket products mm-hmm. that's ranging from $500 to $1,000 off webinars. But I've also seen like some of my clients, they have been selling $1,000 products off like a sales page. That's completely possible as well. Gotcha. That's that's really interesting, right? And uh, it, I think it probably goes back to the the SIN offer, right? Um, yeah. A $50, you know, maybe like a $50 three video course is a no-brainer for a lot of people if they need that. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Um, so... So this is the the funnel to get them to sign up to prepare them for the call. Um and and you mentioned video right off the bat uh with with webinars. Are these generally um you know, I've seen it done a few ways where you have those evergreen webinars that people schedule to attend heavy quotes yeah. for for people who aren't for for people who can't see me. Um do you recommend like show the webinar right away, make it super obvious that it's not live or, or do you go yeah. like join at this time or whatever? Yeah. I, I think the timing really depends on the industry and how exposed they are to the idea of webinars. Um, they, I would say that you got to test it. Uh, we have tested a couple of options. Generally you find that the best option is to just give them an opportunity or ability to just watch yesterday's replay immediately. And also an option for them to schedule a live just for them to comment to it. I think I've seen um, a lot of people who say that at this point when I'm signing up for webinars, um, I'm expecting to get a replay. So mm-hmm. I think people have gone through such things enough to know the trickery behind it. Um, but, you know, I guess the whole idea behind it is just how can you make it as convenient as possible uh, for the people who you are trying to reach. 
That's that's I love that, right? And then it's it's I mean I think you're I think you're dead on. I think a lot of people probably know, right? That's I, yeah. I, I went to a webinar recently where someone was like, Hey Natalie, hey Jim, thanks for being here. And I'm like, Natalie and Jim aren't here. Like like that's <laughs> you're just saying names. Um so um, which kind of makes it feel disingenuous to me. Again, I'm on the web all the time though. So um yeah. depends on the industry, but convenient optimize for convenience, right? If if yeah. I'm if I'm trying to learn something now, you know, why make me wait until tomorrow at 1 p.m. or something? Um exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So and and I mean I and from a tech side that makes the tech stack a little bit easier too, right? You have yeah. you don't need to sign up for some you know, ungodly expensive webinar software that charges for the replays or whatever. You could just have an unlisted video on YouTube and embed it on a page. Yeah, absolutely. So. Now, now I, I will ask this, um, based on your experience, have you seen, um, do you see people like engage in chats, right? Cause I've also seen it where like the webinar is pre-recorded, but somebody, yeah either the person giving the webinar or someone pretending to be the person giving the webinar is engaging in, in the chat answering questions? Yeah, uh, we have seen that, but I, I don't think that's really something that uh, I would recommend anyone to do because it just takes so much of your time. Mm -hmm. And generally, if you're scheduling your webinar to happen on demand, it's going to be hard to catch these people. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I do agree that uh, there are several clients that we have who have pre-recorded webinars. They have a lot of engagement and they simply just upload everything, um, just rerun it as a webinar. So yeah, you know, you sometimes you see them greeting people on a webinar and all that. It's actually real, but except right. that it was actually a recorded version of it. Right, right. Uh, but yeah, so what we do these days on our ads sometimes is, is that we just make it clear to people that we just recorded a private training, mm -hmm. you know, and this is, uh, you're getting a recording of it. So gotcha. you know, it's kind of like genuine upfront. Gotcha. I got it. So, so you know, run a webinar once a, at the yeah. beginning of the quarter and just run that webinar for the whole quarter or whatever. Exactly. Cool. I like that. I'm I'm definitely going to steal that idea. Um, <laughs> so this has been this has been fantastic. We're coming up on time, um, uh, but I do want to ask uh, about tip. You know, I always ask about tips for the listeners, and and you've given us a lot about ads, webinars. I like to ask about tools. Um, are there any that you? I'm not going to say necessarily recommend, but do, that you use yeah. and like if someone's in the market. I would 100% recommend Hyros, uh, H-Y-R-O-S. That's a relatively new addition to the market, but it allows you to track um, and really look at where your spend is going. Like for example, we spend between thirty dollars to $100,000 a month for most of our clients. And we see how that you know, spend is turning into calls scheduled, appointments scheduled, and also into sales as well because it really integrates your payment processes and your CRM systems and Facebook, Google, and all your traffic sources. So you're able to see, you know, where you're getting the most ROI. And um, yeah, it really helps us to optimize our ads a lot. So highly recommend checking out Hyros, H-Y-R-O-S. Awesome. I will link that in the show notes. And... Uh, to validate everything Jason has just said, if you go to highross.com and you click on get the demo, it brings me right to a scheduling page. Um, so the the funnel here is is in action for a company that focuses on ads. Um, that's fantastic. Um, I'll also throw in in one tool that I really like. We talked about meetings. Um, 
and and communication. I've been using Zip Message a lot, um, which is like asynchronous video chats. Essentially, it's super great. I'm using it with my uh, my students, my members, and and my coaching clients. So um, I'll link that in the show notes as well. And this is how much I like it. It's not even going to be a, an affiliate link. Um, I just really like that tool. I think it's fantastic. Um, it's awesome. Great. This has been fantastic, Jason. I really appreciate it. I do have one more question before uh, for you before we get going, and that is, uh, do you have any trade secrets for us? <laughs> well, in terms of trade secrets, I think um, one of the things I learned um, several years ago that has really helped me see consistent progress in the last two years um, in fact, I will, I will maybe just split it into one and a half tip. One is um, the sequence in which you solve problems is really important. The sequence in which you solve problems is really important. And number two, um, growth always creates chaos. So when things fail, when things break down, it's part of the growth process. Don't get frustrated by it. Just embrace it, work on it. And that, you know, growth happens when you look back six months later and you're like, Wow, I've grown this much. Uh, recently, I spoke with my team. You know, they, their morale was hit because we lost, I think, one or two clients. Um, you know, in the month of May, and I looked back and I told them, guys, you know, this is part of the growth process. We are learning. Um, you know, what kind of clients we shouldn't be working with, and what kind of clients we should work with. Uh, and and the fact is, um, you know, when we look back for the last two years, our clients have grown tremendously. Uh, I was telling my team that we have grown two times compared to last year. We have grown three times compared to two years ago. So like that is often hard to see when you are just, you know, in the grind every single day. But when you look back, zoom out, you know, kind of look back six months, 12 months, 24 months, you can really see the growth. That's great. I love that. So sequence in which you solve problems is important and growth always causes chaos. I mean, there's a reason they call it growing pains, right? You, uh, yeah. e- you are uh, learning to solve newer, bigger problems, right? Cooking for yourself is different than cooking for a family of five, for example. Exactly. Especially yeah. when one of those children does not like whatever you make them for dinner. Not that <laughs> I'm speaking from experience or anything, but I'm speaking from experience. Uh, <laughs> um, J- Jason, this has been uh, great. Um, I appreciate all of the advice that you've given us. Uh, be sure if you are a member to stick around uh, after the sign-off for Build Something More. We'll be talking about some lesser known or maybe lesser thought about ad platforms because TikTok's pretty well known at this point. Um, and uh, if you do want to sign up, head over to buildsomething.club and sign up. Jason, if people want to know more about you, where can they find you? Yeah, so uh, the best place to find us is on agencyj.co. Uh, that's our company's website. Um, then when it comes to my own writing and you know some of the tips that I give to um, you know just in general marketers, agencies, and business owners, um, it would be jasonhjh.com. All right. I will link to all of that and more in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 334. Uh, Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Joe. And thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.